This is Bob Trout speaking to you in New York. And as we begin this broadcast, we had hoped to bring you reports from CBS representatives in the cities of London and Paris. But we learn now that atmospheric conditions prevent our hearing the reports of our CBS representatives in those cities, Mr. Murrell and Mr. Grandin. So here is news from this side of the ocean. Here is the news that we have from Moscow, the capital of Russia, where the Soviet press asserts today that the Polish state collapsed like a house of cards and that 11 million white Russians and Ukrainians have been freed from oppression. The Russian forces, you know, are in Vilna, the ancient capital of Lithuania, seized by Poland in 1920, and they were close to Lvov, the capital of the Polish Ukraine in the south. An official communique of the general staff of the Red Army shows that these Russian troops are driving rapidly along the 500-mile front, stretching from Latvia in the north to Romania along the south. And in close coordination, we're at an average depth of about 70 miles into the territory of Poland. Lvov, in case your map is not handy, is 100 miles from the Soviet border, and Vilna is some 85 miles. Pravda, the official organ of the Communist Party in Moscow, says editorially today, in explanation of Russia's occupation of the former Russian territories of Western White Russia and the Polish Ukraine, says this. This is a quotation. The situation which has arisen in Poland, the dissolution of the Polish state, and the anarchy and disorder now reigning in Poland make that country a fertile field for all kinds of accidental and unexpected contingencies which may create a menace for the Soviet Union. On September 17th, the united and valorous Red Army, upon the order of the Soviet government, crossed the frontier in order to take under its protection the lives and property of the population of western Ukraine and white Russia. Those are the words of Pravda, the official newspaper of the Communist Party, which is published in Moscow, and that is an editorial from today's edition of Pravda. Now, in London, the British government tonight angrily rejected Chancellor Adolf Hitler's Danzig speech, which CBS rebroadcast today, and in which Chancellor Hitler professed a desire for lasting peace and then sought to lay full blame on Great Britain for the events leading up to the war in Europe. The Ministry of Information in London says in a statement that the speech of the Fuhrer was packed with misstatements and came from a man whose word has been discredited throughout the entire world. Her Hitler's speech, it was announced, and this is a quotation too, is full of the crass misstatements which usually fall from his lips and to which the world has now become accustomed. And the statement by the Ministry of Information continues. These are all quotations now. It is surprising that a man of Hitler's responsible position should venture to convict himself so palpably out of his own mouth. The tale of Hitler's broken promises, the trail that should be, it's a misprint, the trail of Hitler's broken promises is so long that he can scarcely expect Great Britain to believe that Germany's aspirations are limited and that Germany has no further aspirations in the West. There's no question of Great Britain waging war, as Hitler declares on women and children. The German government already has declared that there are ample stocks of food in Germany, but the restriction of the import of raw materials by British blockade is not a measure of which the German government can legitimately complain. Finally, Hitler's account of the circumstances attending the outbreak of the war is a travesty on the facts. He determined on war, and he hoped to the last that Great Britain would not fulfill her obligations to Poland. It was only two days after the invasion of Poland when no reply had been received to the British communication that an ultimatum was addressed to the German government. And that's the end of the quotation, which was in full the statement by the British Ministry of Information issued today after Chancellor Adolf Hitler had 
gone into Danzig and had made his speech there being introduced by the leader of the free city, the once free city of Danzig, Albert Forster. In the House of Commons tomorrow, Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain will announce his third so-called war bulletin since the outbreak of war and probably will make some sort of answer to Chancellor Hitler's speech in Danzig today. Also in London, the Polish embassy has denied the reports from the foreign press that the Polish marshal Smigli Ritz has fled from Poland to Romania. According to the embassy in London, the marshal and his entire staff are still with the army in Poland, and the marshal is continuing to direct resistance to the Germans. That's a statement out of London from the Polish embassy in that capital of the British Empire. Now, in Washington, D.C., at the White House, the president has started drafting his neutrality message with the preliminary comment that he has no further plans for increasing the army of the United States. The chief executive told reporters at this afternoon's regular Tuesday press conference that the issue of whether he will add to the Army's manpower is in the lap of the gods. The president's observations also included word that he plans to limit the message he'll deliver personally at Thursday's opening of the historic special session of Congress to just one recommendation, and that is this, revision of the neutrality law. But the president would not say what form this suggestion might take. And he ducked a question from a newsman as to whether the administration would be content with the outright repeal of the entire Neutrality Act. And even as the chief executive worked on, on his message, congressmen continued the advanced argument, the advance argument on measures to keep the United States out of war. Senators Vandenberg of Michigan and Nye both have reiterated their opposition to lifting the arms embargo to enable the belligerents to come and get war supplies with cash in hand. But the president has found new support among Senators Connolly and Robert Taft Representative Snyder and McGranary of Pennsylvania, and also the organization, the Veterans of Foreign Wars. Among developments bearing on the European situation and American neutrality efforts is a pledge by speakers at the emergency meeting of the United States Conference of Mayors to support the president's efforts to keep this nation out of war. This group, which was summoned by Mayor Fiorello H. LaGuardia, the mayor of New York City, who is the president of this conference of mayors, carried its pledge to the president at a brief meeting at the White House offices today. The speakers, who included Mayor LaGuardia and Mayor Edward J. Kelly of Chicago, urged adequate national defense preparations and direct action to halt any price profiteering which might arise because of war developments and the war in Europe, even if indirectly. Secretary of Agriculture Henry A. Wallace asked the first meeting of the Agriculture Advisory Council to cooperate with the government to prevent profiteering. The Secretary of Agriculture says that unless there is such cooperation, the administration in Washington may find it necessary to employ regimentation methods to halt unnecessary price rises. Once regimentation is resorted to, it is hard to eliminate it, says the Secretary of Agriculture. The Association of American Railroads, meantime, was announcing that the nation's carriers rapidly are perfecting plans to meet any emergency which might arise. Members of the group met in Washington to discuss various transportation problems which result from the current situation and possible developments in the future. At a luncheon meeting of the Women's National Press Club in Washington, Senator Nye countered Mr. Snyder's claims of growing support for the administration program with claims that the isolationists in Congress favoring retention of the embargo, had doubled their strength since the last regular session when, as you remember, they blocked the consideration of neutrality in the Senate. That is, the motion was never even brought on the floor for a test. 
Now, if the president's plea for an adjournment of politics during the coming session means an adjournment of politics directed at keeping the United States out of war, says Senator Nye, there will be no such adjournment. In the wake of such statements from the isolationist group, Senator Sheridan Downey, the Democratic senator from California who was elected, if you'll remember, the, at the last congressional election, Senator Downey predicted that the special session probably will continue until the next regular sitting in January. While the senator from California believes that legislative matters will be confined to problems involved in what he calls the international emergency, he says there will be enough of that to keep Congress busy until the first of next year. Senator H. Stiles Bridges, the Republican of New Hampshire, says in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, he believes the American Congress should remain in session until the end of the European war in order that the power to make decisions will not rest on one man. Senator Reynolds of North Carolina, just back from Europe, departed from the neutrality issue to complain that the government is doing a miserable job of getting transportation home for Americans abroad. He said that on his return from Europe, aboard the SS Washington this week, there were many aliens occupying berths while Americans are denied passage. He's going to take the matter up with the State Department. That's what the senator from North Carolina says. We now are advised that we may be able to get a report from our CBS representative in London, Mr. Edward, as Mr. Edward R. Murrow, but as we told you before, transmission is not up to its usual standard, so we hope that you will find Mr. Murrow's report intelligible, and we now take you to London. This is London. Two matters are causing a certain amount of speculation in London tonight. One is the report, not officially confirmed, that the Scharnhorst, a German ship, is being fitted out as an armed raider in a Japanese port. The other has to do with the appointment of Emil Bastianini, one of Italy's promising diplomats, as ambassador in London. There has been a lot of diplomatic activity in Rome all day, and the appointment of Signor Bastianini will, in the opinion of some London journalists, Germany with at least friendly diplomatic representation in London. I listened to Herr Hitler's dancing speech today in the company of several British journalists. They were not. One comment was he was in danger of becoming boring. Another, that he stood in dancing with a chip on his shoulder and dared Britain to do her work. He made it quite clear that Britain and France could have peace if they wanted on Germany's terms. It is believed that the Prime Minister will make the official reply to their Hitler's speech in the House of Commons tomorrow afternoon. But there was issued here a short time ago a statement which has official sanction and which may be considered as something in the nature of an interim reply. Here is a brief summary of that statement. It begins by saying that Herr Hitler's speech is all of the crass misstatements which usually fall from his lips. He has convicted himself out of his own mouth. Herr Hitler's account of the circumstances attending the outbreak of the war is called the travesty of the passage. He was determined on war and hoped to the last that Great Britain would not fulfill her treaty obligations to Poland. The statement then goes on to quote his length from former speeches by the German Chancellor concerning his respect for Polish integrity and his abhorrence of all things Russian. The statement quotes his sports philosophy on September 8, 1938, in which he stated that the German-Polish agreement 
would result in lasting peace. The Germany and Poland must live side by side, neither being in a position to eliminate the other. The statement concludes, if Herr Hitler had wished to inspire confidence in his world, he should have been less reckless with his earlier promises. Germany has no further territorial ambitions in Europe, was an undertaking which has been broken too frequently and too often. The trail of Herr Hitler's broken promises is so long that he can scarcely have expected Great Britain to believe that German aspirations are limited and that Germany has no further aspirations in the West. That's the end of a brief summary of a rather long statement. The Polish Embassy in London is authorized to state that reports published in the world press to the effect that the commander-in-chief of the Polish army, Michael Smigliewicz, has left Polish territory for Romania are untrue. Michael Smigliewicz, together with his headquarters, remains with the army in Poland and continues to direct military operations. That is a statement issued by the Polish embassy here tonight. President Dany broadcast from London tonight a message to the Czech people. And Europe's air is full of strange messages on nights like this. For instance, here is a message broadcast from London tonight. It's called A Message to Warsaw. Quote, this is a message from the people of Britain and the city of Warsaw. All the world is admiring your courage. Once again, Poland has fallen victim to the aggressive designs of her neighbors. Once again, she has, by her heroic defiance of the invaders, become the standard bearer of liberty in Europe. We, your allies, intend to continue the struggle for the restoration of your liberty. Please reply to this message on SPZ 71.70 kilocycles during tonight. Now here is Bill, Hill Bill Henry with one or two stories picked up in London in the course of today. This war is rapidly becoming bitter, but there are no indications that the civilian population is going to pieces under the strain. There seem to be many more people on the streets of London today than in the past two or three weeks, and stores report a greatly improved business. Probably the outstanding example of complete indifference to what is going on in the world was provided by a three-masted schooner from Estonia, which arrived in Denmark today from the Gulf of Bosnia. That was a report from our CBS representatives in London, and we regret that due to atmospheric conditions, the transmission was not up to its usual standard. During the evening, Columbia will continue to keep its listeners abreast of foreign developments by regularly scheduled broadcasts, including the news and Elmer Davis presented by CBS and its affiliated stations at 8.55 Eastern Daylight Saving Time. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System.